everybody. Welcome back to another rousing and titillating episode of Witch Sweat. I am your host, Melissa Word. Y'all, 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 y'all. I'm so excited to bring you this episode with Hez Stalkup this week. Hez is a dear friend of mine and an absolute beloved creative gem in the city of Atlanta worldwide. Hez and I are two people who really enjoy pulling at the very strange and unruly thread of gender. And in our friendship and in our creative collaborations, being able to live into more expansive definitions and experiences of the energy forces swirling inside of ourselves and in the world, such as this masculine principle, this feminine principle, um, it really is such a rich, a rich den, a rich den of activity and intelligence. Intelligence, that's what I'm trying to say. So in this conversation, it picks up with Hez retelling a story that I told him shortly after I got back from a solo trip to Sedona, Arizona. And maybe you know, maybe you've heard lore of Sedona just being absolutely riddled with energy vortexes. Vortices? Vortexes. Multiple vortex. These invisible whirlpools of energy that are uh, pinpointed to these certain sites around the town. And people say that they each have kind of a different energetic signature, different flavor. Some have more masculine energy, which is like projective and outward and energizing and um, moving up. And then some have more of this feminine energy which is spiraling downward it's introspective intuitive nourishing receptive going down 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 and i had a particular experience first timer first time vortex trekker at this one place this one site uh that radically rearranged my relationship to this masculine life force energy, how it lives in myself, the ways I've suppressed it in myself, the ways I've vilified it in myself, the ways I have uh, rejected it in the world and also like hungry puppy dogged after it in the world. Perhaps you can relate. Um, It really helped me understand that I actually I mean, I already knew I had a pretty fraught relationship with masculine expression in the world and having this um, push-pull attraction and excitement towards the the essential energetic frequency, right? Like, I'm not just talking about this from a gendered perspective of, like, dudes, like cisgendered dudes, but I'm speaking about this code that is in the fabric, in the matrix of all life, right? These masculine and feminine energy uh, 
tangles and, and dances. So Hez and I pull at these threads together and um, this is a really vulnerable conversation. It's a really fun and playful and imaginative conversation. Um, we are speaking purely from our own personal perspectives as two queer people, a cisgendered girly and a trans man riffing and playing in the slippery and strange soup that is intergalactic masculinity has is such a um you'll hear just such a genius and such a tender human that has one of the most curious minds of anyone I've ever met um his like practical fun roster of details is I know him as a choreographer and an experimental artist and performer and an erotic advisor so yeah he really is uh someone who has surfed the the deep inner underworld of um, the erotic terrain and how we have so many limitations and challenges to being able to access this vital landscape inside of ourselves so buckle up babies it's a it's a journey all right without further ado i give you intergalactic masculinity with hez doll cup um wait (laughs) (laughs) clown car okay okay so okay for me where the story like where my memory is kicking it is you describing rolling up i think it was sedona where you were camping it was one of the only places you were camping and that it was all solo women mm-hmm. who were next to you in this car camping campground. Yes. And <clears throat> and so there was, to me, there's like an initiation of like solidarity when mm. you're like cool people like me, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and that this is a vulnerable thing to do alone or it can feel like a vulnerable thing to do a, alone as a woman. Yes. And that you were like, hell yeah, other solo women just doing their thing. We don't even have to talk about it. We're yes. just here being ourselves and so to me that was kind of this moment of initiation of mm. already a space of power and gender being connected to it yes and that then there's this like crone guide who comes in that's like the campsite mom uh-huh. that you described who is um there being available in this really great way that you're like cool here's somebody i can ask about vortexes and i know right. this is a thing that's here and um, <laughs> I love now that I'm telling you this, <laughs> this, this is better. You just told me what you remember. Um, and that you um, go up to her and are like, hey, so I've heard there's this thing, you know, that with vortexes here, is there a place that I can find out? And that she says, I have the last map yes. of the area. So these all hand-drawn. felt hand-drawn freaking map. Drawn. He's also really significant in the story. Um, yeah, so I have this last map. And, and also is like, yeah, not they don't do that. Like, people seem to be into them. I've never felt that much. But, you know, describes a little bit about the quality of vortexes, right? I think it was her who, who was like, some of them are yes. masculine, some of them are feminine. She, and she was like... I don't know if she used that language. She, she was not the person who said that. This okay. was... Um, uh, this is a, a friend of mine who had spent a lot of time in Sedona and in the vortexes and was like, yeah, there's, 
they have a different flavor. Each of them has a different energetic profile where like some of them have this more like projective outward whipping up energy and some are like really introspective swirling downward energy and then some are like a a mix of chaos swirl of both so right so you already had that information and, and so it sounded like this campground mom was like here you go this one's one that is Yes, she said, she was like, this is the one, she's like, I don't really, you know, it's fine, whatever, vortexes are cool and real. This is the one where I hear people fall to their knees with Mm. profound experiences. And I was like, shit, hook me up with that. Just um, give me your last hand-drawn map. Yes. And right, and so then you roll out to it, and a thunderstorm, a crazy lightning storm happens to the degree that you have to pull over. Yes. Which I'm suspecting probably also clears out anybody else who is going to try to be at that site at the same time as you because you're willing to just not give up on it. You know, you're like, okay, lightning storm seems right to me. Yes. On the way to a vortex. And so you just slow your roll for a minute. And I can't remember, was there any... Did you say there was like also a moment of of realization in this lightning moment? Maybe it was just the that you were framing it as something that felt like it was on the journey to. Well, it made it feel very treacherous because it was like a lightning storm. Like you're driving on these <clears throat> hairpin roads with these like buttes and mesas and these huge like giant where the whole landscape is just this like epic, profound sculpture park. Mm-hmm. And as far as the eye can see, it's just, like, lightning striking down into these canyons, mm. these, like, red rock canyons, and you're, like, <laughs> I, humbled, Papa deeply power. humbled. Yeah. yeah, I'm, like, I am playing with fire here. Mm. Like, I'm literally I'm going to be a little roasted marshmallow, if mm. I'm, like, torched if I go out here and just get struck. There's also, like, like to me, if I'm, you know, hearing your story as... From the, the lens of like an archetypal journey too, there's this moment of humility mm. at this point. Mm-hmm. You know? And like, am I going to turn back? Mm-hmm. I'm, I might just turn back now. And also that you stopped, that you paused, that you didn't exit, but that you were like, this is serious. I respect the power that is happening right now. I'm going to just like sideline the vehicle for a second yeah. and respect the forces of nature that are here. Yeah. I mean, the land just feels like so much higher stakes out west. Like the yes, treachery it really does. is just so much louder, mm. which also makes the like, I don't want to say it's more powerful out there, but like these experiences of being deeply humbled and yes, brought to your knees, if not physically, psychically, spiritually, emotionally, it's like is real my experience being particularly in the desert parts of the west um was that there's just no hiding Mm -hmm. both like literally and metaphorically there was this sense of like i can't there's nothing for me to get under or behind Mm -hmm. and that really felt like the emotional landscape that i ended up being in yeah when i was there that it's just like good luck where are you gonna put a little sagebrush over your face much yeah. you know the sun just burn it off and that you're just really um at the mercy of 
of the elements and the the power and the energy of there of what is there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you pause in the lightning storm and just and it passes, right? Passes, yes. And you decide to like, okay, I'm um going to this I'm going to this site. I'm still determined. Yes. yes. Go to the site, I'm determined, and there's like a little trail that you walk through and then it opens out onto this flat red rock surface that's right at the base of the this massive uh outcropping called cathedral rock so the backdrop is just like absolutely stunning and i do not fall to my knees (laughs) but i like i'm like wow this is dope okay cool so i ask my body to just take me to where in this space i need to be and there's like a little river creeklet that is passing to the side. And so I go and put my feet in the water and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be a little lizard and like lay on the rock in the sun and just absorb what's here. And it was like the second that my spine made contact with this rock, I started hearing things in my head and feeling um like definitely just this subtle but very real uh like tingling sensation the water the contrast also of like cold water on the feet hot hot rock on the bod was Mm. like also just such an interesting kind of polarity but what i And I also started seeing just like these rapid fire images of every male lover that I had been with and had had some sort of romantic entourage with Mm. and started seeing like these scenes kind of rapid fire. And what I was hearing in my head over and over again was instant healing now, Mm. instant healing now. Which is just so, like, also hilarious, like, 1970s <laughs> Sedona crystal healing pamphlet, hippie pamphlet. Instant healing now. Just submerge in the waters at Cathedral Rock. Right. Speaks in the language of, of old school metaphysical books. Yes. <laughs> You're like, oh, they really were hearing yes. this voice. Yes. <laughs> That's why they're all written I can this confirm. way. I can this is this narrative. Yes. <laughs> And so I Mm. felt this energy coming up into me that was like, almost like these scrubbing bubbles of my interior dimension that was like taking all of these moments that, like the particular scenes that I was seeing was like moments of transgression, moments of, Mm. wow, some sort of physical encounter that just didn't feel great. Even if I consented to it, it was something sexual, something untoward, something uh, that left this indelible thorn, this impression within my body, within my tissues that was like, oh, Mm. that I'd just been like walking around with, right? And this energy sight felt like it was like, we got that, we got that, we got that, scoop, scoop, swirl, swirl, smush, smush. And clearing it, instant healing now, out of the body. Mm. 
out of the system. So kind of a like gathering up, like we're pulling this up as, so it can be pulled out. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was trying so hard. Everybody okay? Um, yes, yes. Clearing, 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 smushing, swirling out. And I was like, great, wow, thanks. That's a load taken off. And then sort of the next thing that happened was like this knowing that now that that, uh, that, that has been activated, like I, I'm not actually certain if that was like instant healing now, bippity boppity boo, it's just all gone. But it like opened a way for that to get, um, for things to shift within mm-hmm. me. Um, but then it made space for me to recognize that there was this whole like inner cavern underground aquifer of masculine energy that was like being squashed under the weight of all of my disappointments mm. Mm. in engaging wow. in masculinity as it currently exists mm. in the material world. Oof. And I had this like also sort of instant awareness that was like every time you point a finger of critique and of rage, of injustice, of just sheer like like the side eye that will not quit mm-hmm. about toxic masculinity like air quotes right Mm -hmm. about how masculinity gets expressed in ways that are harmful every time i do that i am saying to my own masculinity that like it's not safe to to come out and play Mm. because we have deemed masculinity to be like fraught af masculinity is in the corner Mm -hmm. in time out (laughs) needs to like you know be absolved before it can come out and play and so that there's this this whole part of my being that like doesn't get to be online that doesn't get to be Mm. intact that doesn't get to be out expressing itself Mm. because on some level i've decided that this is um naughty this is not good this Mm. is um it 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 there's harm that gets wrought when uh, unchecked masculinity just gets to proliferate through mm. the world. Unchecked masculinity, yeah. Yeah. So that, and then, yeah, there, there are many more threads to pull out, but that was sort of the, like, the hunky, beefy meat. <laughs> oh, hunky, beefy meat, come on. <laughs> I'm sitting with right now. Mm-hmm. Hello, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, and you expressed to me this part feels this part felt significant when you were telling me that you felt a difference in the ways you were having interactions with people in your life, that you felt um, engagement with familiar interactions as something that had shifted for you, that you were able to identify um ways Mm. that maybe men in your life were (laughs) 
trying to talk about this without referencing Edit. Edit. Cut here. Cut here. Before Hez starts to like go in the personal name everybody. Personal private information. Tell them tell everyone that part. Tell the audience that part. Oh, is there a way that sorry if I just messed up that flow. Oh um, my god. Um we will figure it out. I guess it was interesting to me that you then what were the after effects that you started to notice from that? Because it sounds like what you're describing is an activation and an initiation that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was like, we're awake now and we don't have this depression cushion sitting on us mm. that is saying you're innately toxic, you're innately wrong for right. having a voice at all. Yo, um, I think what also feels like a yes and the, there's another piece that feels helpful to insert, which is, um, let me just get in here with my masculinity <laughs> insert something. Yes. That's, what you um, do with it? That there, there's like a decidedly different flavor of like, the ways that I've known how to inhabit masculinity for so much of my life, being indoctrinated from say like fifth grade where I learned how to assimilate into boy culture and to take on the, the culture of all, all the boys around me who, and like, figuring out their favorite music, figuring out like, like dressing like the boys going to the skate park liking the things that I could take on as this safety mechanism, as this way of protecting myself in a world that was highly inhospitable to being a girl and like discovering mm. from a very early age that it's unfreaking cool to be a girl. It's unsafe to be a girl. So if you roll up like the boys roll up, then you're granted some kind of immunity or some kind of inoculation. And this discovery in the Sedona vortex was like, that is absolutely not the same. Like that performance of masculinity in the name of assimilation and fitting in is, is just another way of severing you from yourself. Mm. And that this experience was like, you have to dig quite deep. Mm. It's right there. It's mm. actually like, it's right underneath the surface and also you have to dig through some layers of yeah addressing all of the obstacles and the um the judgments mm. about masculinity in order to access it right and the um the kind of instantaneous naming that you're describing too that has been a tool of um, identifying safety for either who around you is safe or what about you is safe that is like, okay, that's that's toxic masculinity. That's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And when does that become just masculinity? Mm. And that it's like, okay, well, I have to identify this and catalog it. And so there, things get cut short before they ever have a chance to, mm-hmm. to be expressed in you, to be, to be named as something else. And so there's this like automatic naming that's like, oh no, you're already in a category. Yeah. I'm filing you away before 
Yes. You can ask to be somewhere else before you can come out and have an opinion. Yes. Mm. Yes. And I feel like what, since this has happened, it's been maybe about like three weeks to a month now, what has come through in the afterglow of that experience is, I think the biggest one for me is the safety piece of like understanding that my sense of safety is not contingent on my external environment. Mm. And that when my own sense of masculinity is intact, however it expresses itself, when it is solid within me and I have access to it, I am able to, I don't need the world to change. I don't need the world to be different in order to uh, create a sense of safety for myself. Mm. I don't need anyone else to be different. I don't need myself to be different. But I do need this sense of inner sturdiness that can assert my boundaries for me, that uh, can, like, yeah, access this power source that I think, like, energetically just then changes how the world rolls up to me and steps to me right like Mm. energetically Mm -hmm. if i'm not sending out the same signal as how i have spent most of my life which is very terrified very hyper vigilant very uh like mostly feeling unsafe as you named Mm -hmm. off the off the mic there's like unsafety in all directions physically unsafe, emotionally unsafe, psychically unsafe. Mm-hmm. That there's and that we can just normalize that shit. We can just normalize that hypervigilance. But that hypervigilance is like not actually a source of protection. Mhm. Not really. It's just a like a stopgap measure or something. Right, and you are then well, what I love about this moment, and it's really where I started to connect a lot with your story, other than just really enjoying the whole journey of hearing it and being brought along with you, is the difference between performativity and actual approach. Like, I can be presenting myself as I am in my fullness versus I can be performing something that I think will keep me safe, that I think will make me seem strong. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you uh, are then coming in by thinking like, okay, I have to figure out this algorithm of safety, this math of um, how to go about in the world, in in whatever body I'm in, in whatever identity I'm in, mm-hmm. that particularly if you, you are in one that you feel has been cast as an incredibly vulnerable one that is innately unsafe, that you are then approaching everything as though you are being threatened you are approaching everything from that animal state mm-hmm. of i am as baseline prey i'm prey yeah i'm being chased i'm being you know your nervous system is is alert yes it is alerted and so everything then is being framed from a place of i'm not safe i'm not safe mm-hmm. 
I am unsafe and I have to create safety. I had, I need something to put around me. I need a barrier. I need, and it also identifies safety as something outside of you. Yeah. It isn't coming from in you. It isn't something that is innate in your being. It is like, I need a barrier. I need a weapon. I need a, a security. I need a group of people. I need, um, you know, insert here any number of things. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe even I need an ethos. Like, I need a way of thinking to protect me. I need a way of this, which none of that lets you access your internal landscape. None of that lets you connect directly with the energies that are in Sedona around you at all times. And none of that is you actually letting that in through your form and letting yourself be a channel mm-hmm. for it. And those are things that have in the past for me felt like I was trying to accomplish the same thing. You know, like a lot of performativity was me being like, look, I'm, I'm just being smart. And this is me being powerful, right? I'm gonna figure out this math. I'm gonna be a super smart person who understands masculine math. And yet hearing you describe that immediately separated the two camps mm. into identifiable spaces of embodiment there is one where i am putting something on outside of me mm-hmm. and there is one where i am putting the microphone deep in the the gut you know putting it straight in down the, the cavern into the source mm. and also one feels so inviting and so interesting and so much like you're meeting this sexy new person who's at the bar with you, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's actually in the same space with you. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're just saddling up and are like, yo, who's you? Mm-hmm. Who's that? What's up? And that there's, the stakes are no, no longer about who's being threatened by who. It is one where you are on equal terrain and where you can just be interested, where you can just be fascinated and just pour your attention into this interesting being who maybe happens to be very masculine Mm. and also happens to be you Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. in this internal landscape that is a bar. And that it is absolutely not what it looks like. Mm -hmm. I think that's Mm -hmm. the, it's like such a, I feel like the young queers really have this like all the way figured out in a way that like my, my brain, it's like a, it's a question of imagination. I feel like it's an imagination Uh project of like the willingness for, to, to like come out more and more and more of the indoctrination of what these genders get to look like. Yep. And to just like table all of that like just yes swipe the table toss the table up in the air <laughs> let and the chips fall where like they may <laughs> the table is now my cape correct <laughs> yes the tablecloth is my loincloth and yes. my bonnet all at once yeah and like really just i i wonder like what it really takes for us to be able to ungrip, mm. ungrip on the um, the hegemony of like what what am I looking like? What am I performing? Mm-hmm. What am I 
passing as? What am I signaling? Mm. Well, and I think you're really hitting on something here too, where it becomes, this is all neutral territory, right? This is all performing. We are both (laughs) have years of experience performing on stage Mm -hmm. and it can be something that is wildly liberating and empowering. And it can be something that is um, very challenging. And in the same way, this performativity that we're talking about can be like, like what I think the young queers and young trans folks are figuring out is that it's a good time. Like if you're approaching with, with this sense of yourself intact mm. and where you're not having to use it as a barrier of protection, so to speak, um, although maybe that's up for argument, um, but when you're, when you're really using it as something, as a tool of joy, and as a tool of interest and as a tool of like check me out i'm this now i'm gonna i'm gonna express this this way and where there's not the same code of this makes me this identity this makes me this identity like as a 46 year old trans man watching (laughs) all the teens and 20s and 30s even i'm like taking notes i'm learning you know, because it's such a joy to see the playfulness and imagination that is also completely serious and real and powerful. It's not a diminishment. And there used to be an old story about having to present a certain way to pass, having to present a certain way. Um, for, and I'm and I'm applying this actually to all genders now. Let's yeah. let's say that's cisgender folks women, men, trans folks, non-binary, there has been a lot of rulemaking around how you present as a tool of being taken seriously, as a tool of taking yourself seriously. And what I find to be so beautiful about your experience in Sedona is that I see the connections between this younger generation that is finding these portals of imagination and, and taking them seriously. You know, and being like, the, the, this isn't me fucking around. This is my life. And this is a real identity. This is a real person. This is a real expression. And in fact, this is really powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, when I see uh, like young performers taking up space, young um, professionals who are artists, musicians, and the ways that they're doing these incredible reality-changing expressions of their identity and the fullness of them regardless of what gender they are identifying as regardless of how they're presenting that gender Mm -hmm. but the experience of juicy real wholeness that they're able to communicate and the way that it's like for me like watching it like all of a sudden like all of my inhibitions all of these deeply entrenched feelings and fears like what you were talking about instant healing it just feels like they're just just watching them is like the thinnest veil just got ripped right off of me i'm like oh instant healing now oh you can just like (laughs) okay you can just be a trans man who's like no binder no bra like yeah it's just like okay well actually that makes 100 percent sense you're right you're right Uh, okay learning learning but it's like before that moment of the veil rip yeah 
in the paradigm in which that you have like moved and understood yourself, that is not, that's like not a possible reality. That right, that could be right. so easy and so it available. It slips right away. Yeah. That it just slips <sighs> right off your God. eyes. And that is also a point that felt really powerful. And I know we talked about this off air that um, the thing that feels so exciting about your experience and that to me is a really, really identifying factor. Like, how do you know you're really in touch with this intergalactic masculinity is when it is accessible, it is nearby, it is knowable, it is doable, it is the, mm, the maleness that is next to you in your internal mm. bar where you can go and flirt and say, what are you like? As opposed to having a preconceived fixed idea of what you think masculinity is and trying to reach for that or repelling that yes as opposed to something being really far away or feeling that you have to contort yourself into something else that is painful mm-hmm. to do in order to access the power mm. and the access that you think will come from this external presentation or this external acceptance mm. like what you're talking about being in the boys club you know, when you're a kid, which I absolutely had the same experience or a similar experience where you roll on up and you're like, oh, I see who's cool. I see who gets the stuff. I see who gets to walk around freely and not get a lot of lectures about how unsafe they are, Mm. you know? Um, And so let me just, and also that I I really want to like credit that young, um, uh, scrappiness Mm. of the person who is not in that particular identity or body to come up and say I'm gonna figure this shit out like I'm smart I I see what's going on you're what you're wearing pants you got (laughs) t-shirts ball caps you look like a short hair I can do that got you got you baggy shorts okay skateboard what what you got what you got okay I'm gonna get some of that I'm gonna get okay now I rolled up in this and, and, okay, now I'm going to get it too. And once again, that is not to disparage anybody who is doing that and finding real joy in it of any identity. Mm-hmm. This is to say, when you are coming from a place where your earliest experiences were this being something that you were just crossing your fingers, hoping you would pass, hoping you would pass to be able to access the landscape the places like it feels like a different neighborhood that can be available Mm. for masculine identities and so when you're coming from that it's very different um to approach it from a place where you're expecting to be safe wherever you are where you're expecting to have access because you exist and that you can wear the baggy shorts if you want you can wear a ball gown and and either yes. way, what you the thing you're describing that you are here, and that gives you access, and you are in dialogue with the fullness of yourself. You're not filing away. You're not cataloging, and trying to quickly, constantly have this hyper vigilance of what is going on outside of me and around me that I have to, um, you know, catalog and identify and sort. And that your attention's so far away, it's so distant 
from anything close to you, which is where everything that is actually possible exists, mm. is in these nearby spaces, which is actually like the sexiest, yes. you know, the most appealing. Small as all. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so this kind of um, mm. quality too of intimacy that you're describing with your experience feels so activating as an identifier mm. also of like, when can I know that this is coming from me? that this is coming from my personal relationship with time and space and intergalactic connection and reality and my point of power Mm. in space and time, you know, where I'm not responding to a pileup of history, you know, like I'm not responding to a pileup of trauma, um, which is, is around and it's very understandable when you fall on it or trip on it. You can just look another direction. Right. And so this attention, this attention being able to actually be harnessed Mm -hmm. and that what you found sounded like a space that allowed you to funnel your attention. It was like, okay, here's how you look. Here's how you unsuppress, you know? Yeah. And just suspend. Extract from the naughty corner. Yes. Extract from the naughty corner. What if it's not naughty? What if it's not, what if it's all neutral? What if it's all available? Yo. Okay. The other layer that is coming into this right now for me, because I've been watching a lot of Regency era period pieces lately. Uh, and I'm just struck by uh, the, the, how, just how blatant, uh, being the object of male desire was the actual place of safety. So like we've been talking Uh about assimilating into masculinity and like behaving like the boys as a way to create a sense of safety. I've been watching these hoes just be like, I have to be the most desirable, Mm. radiant, moist flower for all of the men, the very wealthy property owning men to mm. deflower me, love me, like me, put mm. a ring on it because that's the only motherfucking way mm. I have a chance. Mm. Otherwise I'm relegated to a scullery maid. Mm. And to think about like the simultaneous like let me roll up and be like the boys because girls are not cool. And also at the same time, let me do the algorithm math of like become desirable to masculinity. Mm. Both be like, be masculine Mm -hmm. and be the Mm -hmm. object of masculine desire. Mm -hmm. Right. And just all of the ways, like no matter how my sexuality shifts and unfolds through the years, that central piece of like, the hypervigilance of what my body is doing in time and space, always in relationship to men, mm. to, to like triangulate safety from all different directions, is like, it's just so fucking exhausting as like mm. the app that's running in the background, the ancestral app. <laughs> the ancestral app. <laughs> that is running in the background. And after this Sidoni experience, I was like, I get to be the object of my own oh, thirst. Oh. I'm slaking yes, my own you thirst. Do. Oh my gosh. And this being, this like, mm. and I want to, 
in a moment, I really want to hear you speak about like entity work because I feel like that's what it was tapping into. It's ah, like yes. the entity of my masculinity like became uh, this being, this character that is like so hot, so dreamy, <laughs> so smoking. And is like, yes. not even, it's not really even a fantasy, right? Of like, oh, I'm fantasizing about this like super hot guy. It's like this energetic, uh, like this tangible something that I can feel a quality of and I can feel like all of that energy that used to be poured into this awareness of how men were perceiving my body. Like mm. all of that just kind of gets rerouted and uh, funneled into this interior relationship. Mm. Yes. Like once again, just taking all of the external energy of like little puppy dog being like, <laughs> that is just so primed to relate to the world in that way. All of that energy gets swirled back in house, like very, um, like Archangel Michael, like cutting mm. the cords mm. of how much attention and awareness that I've had to pay to my surroundings and to the people and how I'm being perceived for safety and for desirability. And all of that just gets like sucked back in house to relate to this entity within me. Mm. I love that. Also, just to reiterate that slaking your own <laughs> thirst is step one. Yo. It's step one. And mm, if I move. am not slaking my own thirst, then uh, my, th- my thirst going outside myself gets real complicated. Oof. Because then it comes back to like what you're describing. When, when am I... Um, trying to fulfill a requirement of attraction and I'm secretly telling myself this is what I want I'm thinking this is my attraction when what I'm really wanting is uh, this real thirst to be met this real thirst for wholeness and fullness and um, I want to say like also just relaxation (laughs) you know there's an easy confidence Uh. Yes. that I hear you describing yes, it is just the self that once again is also something that often gets associated with maleness mm-hmm. you know um, yeah. that is like because you've got access to James everything James Dean Cowboy James yeah, yeah, Dean yeah. Cowboy it's like I just rolled out of bed like this like I just showed up wearing the sack <laughs> and look at me I'm just here <laughs> and everybody wants this and to realize that your attraction to that is actually the attraction to that quality because some part of you knows it is your right yes your right to have that and that that's actually what you're really wanting yes and come on that is um sometimes a distinction that isn't always clear and i think what you're also identifying is a really beautiful distinction between attractions and when am I attracted to someone because, and, and like as you were talking, I was identifying my own history of attraction and realizing there's that quality when you can be attracted to somebody and it immediately is sad. Like there's mm. immediate sadness because you're like, and I can't have it. Oh, like, wow. Mm-hmm. That is, whether that's a person that you, you want 
romantically to have a connection with, whether that's a job, whether that's a career, whether that's mm. a certain body that you think gets allowed access to identities. Mm. You know, that there's this attraction and, and I can identify the times where I wanted something and then immediately took it off the table. Mm. Like it wasn't even, it didn't even get to touch the table. You know, the attraction rose up and the sadness swept it away. Mm. That was saying, and you don't get to have that. And you can't have that. And that the attraction itself was almost the quality of um, unattainableness. Mm. As opposed to you describing this attraction that is the yes that's looking for you too. Mm. That oh, is, that's looking for you too. Yes, that is like, I want you back. I want you so much mm. and I and now is always the right time <laughs> there's no wrong time mm. you're always always invited and it is always a yes and it has that real the difference between the real embodied experience of that kind of lazy confidence that you know is this uh, calm I got this vibe as opposed to the appearance of something that you think might give you that that it's like if i could be in the in the club if i could get up in with these cool boys you know me at 11 if i could partner with this cool person if i could get this job or be seen this way and this role then i get to access this easy confidence and i think that chasing can go on for a long time yes. and can feel like a lot of work yes. it can, because you're in the energy of trying hard <laughs> mm. and you continue to stay in the energy of trying hard. It's grasping. It, it's a very grasping. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, we'll see what the order of operations is, but the episode that I just recorded yesterday with, Although we were talking about this same concept when it comes to like your life purpose, mm. like and that there's such a grasping energy of like I gotta figure out the math, I gotta figure out the algorithm, what's the riddle, what is my sacred work, what do I do, and that there's such a grasping energy, and that the that's that's the the late it just it comes, it's just figured out when you have this sense of intactness both in your body and in that conversation we were specifically talking about like connection to the earth and connection to the divine and that like when you have these this wholeness within yourself and you're like rooting into these parts that normally are like severed and and we're disconnected from then then the answers just come Mm -hmm. well because you are it you are the answer like you are there and it's there's no distance and that i think is what feels so vital there's like nothing the to vitality sell you and and this um point of access then doesn't have any grasping around it yeah because the access is just it's just here on. it's yeah. just there it's like okay i don't have to grasp at anything then you're you're a lot calmer because then you're just expecting things to be there and to be available. And so what's it like, once again, coming back to witnessing this on other people or what I'm reading as this quality in other people where they're like, I'm just going to pick out 
a few garments to wear. I'm just gonna pick out a few identities to, to try on and put on and that that is um, so appealing to see. It's so powerful. It's so, um, there, there's something about the, the ungraspingness of it that it is just whole in and of itself. And mm. that there's something that is really dynamic about that too, that it's like that kind of attention turned out becomes something that is really inviting mm. to connect with because to me, it's, it's, it, I look at it, once again, the veil is, thin, is suddenly thin and ripped away from me. And I'm like, oh, oh, what's my version? I want to meet your yes. deep realness yes. with my own because now I see this flavor. And it can be any flavor. It can be any expression. But that quality of realness becomes so enticing and so appealing. And suddenly I realize my thirst is, is for my own mm fluids <laughs> my own intergalactic yes. connections are is, is mm. the intergalactic straw is the only way i'm going to get the the thing that will fill this thirst and there's also such an excitement because mm. it isn't it's kind of denial it's not you can't have this it's not that sadness of like too bad you can't no. ever achieve this it's incredibly accessible and it's like not only is it no longer oh you can't have this it's you don't even know what's gonna come up Mm -hmm. and come out of that straw like your version of the intergalactic masculine and the intergalactic feminine Mm -hmm. doing their twisty little dance like that very specific cocktail of fluids that is you and your expression Yes. untethered from the performance, untethered from what it looks like, and that like only you have like a bat phone to the universe. Like only yeah. you can touch into that expression and that flavor. And if you don't, it's like, oh my God, we're never gonna get to see what that could be. Mm-hmm. Like what a missed opportunity mm. to like push the culture forward. Right. Right. Because it's actually in the same way that you've had the experience of like wow, the veil just got snatched from my eyes when I saw this other person just so free in their expression. Holy crap, it's, it could be that easy. Like, you are that for somebody else mm. when you have yes. these energies intact yes. in yourself. Yes. And I know deep service is something that both you and I um, hold as really big values for ourselves and this is such a um to me a great point of how deep service is this really sexy space where when i'm in touch with this thing that is an incredible service to everyone else i am being served and vice versa Mm. so these ways of figuring out like what is a real offering what is a real offering to myself what is a real offering to others and being able to recognize it both in yourself and when you when you taste it in other in the presence of other people mm. and in in these entity relationships like what you're describing um with your experience in Sedona that it's like we're not cut off from portals portals are everywhere mm. points of access are everywhere it can mm. be another person it can be 
honestly, even an archetype. It can be the idea of someone. I can look at a lot of pictures of Freddie Mercury and be like, yes, yes, here we go, here we go. I just needed to touch back in with this. Um, but even this idea that um, we were talking about this earlier, that the entity relationships being like real life relationships. And so you're meeting this aspect of your masculinity, you're meeting your, or your masculinity, period. You're, you're meeting it. And what would that be like if it was just another person mm-hmm. that you were wanting to have intimacy with, you were wanting to have a friendship with, you were mm-hmm. wanting to be a buddy with, you were wanting to co-conspire with and yes. collaborate with, which is, is, what, is what I want. I want to, uh, you know, co-conspire with any of my genders and gender expressions. And what, when we think about how you have a relationship with another human, what are the things that allow that to happen? And what are the things that are interesting about it? And how do we, you know, have nuance together? How do we talk? Mm. How do we connect? How is it... Um, something that can feel really beautiful and generous and inviting those same qualities Mm. into these ways of connecting with gender, with ourselves. And that really thinking, what is the kind of devotion I would bring to this person-to-person relationship? Mm. You know, I hold my friendships as being incredibly important in my life and incredibly sacred and you know, if I am not approaching my masculine expression from a place of deep devotion mm. and deep joy and deep bliss, what am I doing? Hmm. You know, I'm probably untangling a knot if I'm not doing that, which is fine. But to really say, okay, as I figure out how to express myself in the world, as I figure out how to go about feeling... Um, some of the qualities you were saying, like safe in my body, safe in my abilities to engage with any interaction, with any moment, with any space, with any environment. Assertiveness. Yeah. Assertiveness, action-oriented, like a projective energy outward, out in the body. Mm. The, what we talked about earlier too the softening of that hypervigilance and the constant math mm. the constant <laughs> math <gasps> yes yes and what is you know the ease and confidence and just taking up of space that happens when that is going in the direction of desire. Mm. When we take that switch and flip it. Take that switch and flip it. Take that switch and flip it. So for folks, okay, there's two things that are coming up as I am aware of our beautiful audience. One is like for the people who might be out there being like, okay, but what about femininity? Like, why are we talking so much about masculinity? Like, uh, everything's always talking about like dicks and masculine stolen times. Like, what about femininity? So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Mm. And also, two for one special. 
for folks who are like, wow, this sounds so interesting, but I'm not in Sedona, I'm not in a vortex. How might I start to meet this non-performative, intergalactic, mm. uh, inner, sacred masculinity, if we mm. dare call it such? Answer how you see fit. Yes, I love that. Um, okay, first off, thinking about why there's a call to talk about masculinity in particular, I think that, one, you could take this entire discussion and also replace every time we talked about maleness with, with femaleness, and there would be a way that it would apply. Mm-hmm. I think femininity can still apply to all of this point of access. I think it is valuable to talk about accessing masculinity because there has been a lot of fraughtness around it. And it is, to your experience, often something that does not get pursued as a thing that is has any positivity to it, that has anything that isn't a weapon applied to it. So to me, there's a real importance of neutralizing and de-weaponizing masculinity mm. as a way to approach it, whether you want more or less of it in your life. It is going to be something that has a different shape if you are always filing it as something that is a threat to you. So oh. there's that piece. Dang. I think if people are <laughs> wanting to... Okay. <laughs> I think if people are wanting to... Um, how do we open portals on our own, right? Because I do think portals are everywhere. And I think some of it is, for one, taking any small invitation or big invitation and taking a big old slurp of that. Like when you told me your story, I was like, ooh, 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 yes. I want that too. I want that too. And and also, in part, because we're such good friends, I knew that there was an invitational quality that you were telling me because you were like, yeah, get on board, get in here. This is infinite, so room for everybody. Um, And to say, okay, okay, where am I? How can I just get real basic, real simple with this and say, what are the qualities that I recognize in myself that are getting turned on by this? That are like, oh, I'm feeling like things are really nearby, like they're really accessible, like, oh, suddenly there's possibilities around, like, oh, how could I access this? Oh, it doesn't have to look a certain way. Okay, maybe I'm overlooking some stuff that I really want that I'm expecting to come in a certain package. So I think just getting into the energy of that quality of yesness Mm. that is the sexy, um, you know, handsome man, your version of handsome at the bar or, you know, hot dyke, whatever your masculine expression feels Mm. most called to, um, and say, okay, let me, how do I sidle on up to that? And what is, what is, what else has that quality? Where can I, you know, taking a, a little like sample of the energy note and saying, where else am I feeling that? Mm. And where else? It it can be anything, like it's a time of day, it's a color, Mm -hmm. it's a certain, um, you know, conversation that you've had that you felt really uh, 
that same quality within. I think personally as someone who has tried to cultivate a um, positive desirous relationship with male identity in my trans journey, looking for totems like uh, myself and another good friend who is also a trans male have talked about having like our man altar mm. and to say like, okay, who are, who are the, the men or the masculine expressions, which can certainly be not men. Um, that could be a tree. That could be a woman. Mm-hmm. That could be a non-binary person. That could be um, any number of things, but really starting to, you know, turn your eyes on and adjust your little lenses mm-hmm. to this quality that says, okay, what's actually really nearby? You know, what is it about Freddie Mercury that is like, okay, what are these qualities that are like, here's someone who's just really present and generous and, you know, what can I identify about this that I can say yes to in myself? And also what can I get just like a little flirty with that's like, I'm just going to go over here and flirt with a little Mm. Freddie Mercury flavor Mm. and with a little bit of this flavor of masculinity that sounds really good to me and what if I just let myself you know try that on a little bit give myself a little injection you know a couple of cc's and just like three percent cc's that's not an accurate (laughs) as someone who's actually taken (laughs) injections none of that was accurate but you know like what's it like to give yourself Baby dose. Um, yeah. Microdose. Yeah. I remember a really beautiful conversation I had with someone um, who was advising me after a breakup when I was really, really heartbroken over um, feeling like the person who broke up with me had taken something and that they were mm-hmm. they that they left with the good stuff and I just got got left with less power. And so she helped me identify the quality of what it was I thought he had. And she was like, what if you could just give yourself like five cc's? Just, you know, tiny injection. Just like a little bit of that. And just this huge smile. As like a visualization yeah. practice imagine in the imaginal realm. Yeah. And so this, the energy totally shifted because I had been in this desperate, clingy, graspy place where I was just bereft and, mm. you know maybe even the victim like I got stolen from even though I knew that was not you know even what was really happening this shift from what if you just had it what if you could just have it what if you could just give it to yourself mm-hmm. what if it was in a form that you could have a little tiny microdose of and just go ahead and just visualize yourself getting it right now and mm-hmm. I just felt like oh oh suddenly it wasn't about him Suddenly it was never about him. It was about realizing that I had my own way that was never, ever far away from me, that was never cut off from me. Mm. So, you know, even a visualization like that, if you can identify the quality of something you want somewhere, can you see yourself getting just a little bit more access to it? Yes. Mm. And looking for totems around you and really letting yourself... um, you know, how would you have a flirty relationship with a person? You know, you would text them. You would make dates with them. You would 
you know, send them funny quips or memes or whatever. What do the kids do? I don't know. I would call them on a landline <laughs> <laughs> and invite them to a walk. Um, you know, long letter <laughs> I would say let's do some elaborate hand sewing together. Um, let's write some missives back and forth to each other. I love, I love letter writing. Um, you know, like how can you do that with these representational things in your life that are like, okay, I'm just going to write Freddie Mercury a, re- a letter <laughs> and say like, Hey, oh. you know, here's what I am inspired by you. Here's what I want to see in myself. This makes me think I was just, um, texting with a friend who was sharing that for the Venus retrograde, they had done this exercise of writing a letter to intimacy. Mm. And then, mm they were expressing I immediately was like oh, I want to do that too but then it's like what would I say my god and they were also expressing that it was like kind of an intense uh prompt but to think about in the same way of like writing a letter to desire your own mm-hmm. desire and writing a letter to safety writing a letter to all of these aspects of yourself that get complicated and tangled up into, um, yeah, this, this swirl of so many things, but for the purpose of this conversation, get kind of like siphoned off into, uh, these gender roles Mm -hmm. and what, like, what is the shape of your desire? How expansive does your desire get to be based on these aspects of your identity and these like these histories that we were describing before like all of the 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 trauma mountain Mm. that our gaze tends to be so fixated on Mm -hmm. when we turn our gaze in another direction what is the shape of desire then what is the shape of masculine Mm. expression what is the shape of feminine expression what is the shape of how you approximate safety inside of all of that Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that some of what you're describing too is met with a quality that I found really appealing in the way you talked about this meeting um, with your masculinity that is like having a conversation with a person. You don't have, you don't come in with expectations of what they're going to say. You know, there's a, you're allowing them to have their own voice. And so, which is its own big practice in life. And I'm huge here at the one hour mark. Right. (laughs) Coming in with the hot piece, which again would be the same for your feminine expression. That's right. I'm not collapsing these aspects of yourself into this is, I already know what you're going to say. This is who you are because... Mm-hmm. And I have to prepare for this and I, I better know what I'm about instead of feeling confident, secure, easy breezy, beautiful, cover boy, um, you know, who can just come in and say, okay, let's, let's, let's go. And actually, the more unexpected it is, the more sexy the mystery is. The more if that flirtation happens where you're like, ooh, I'm interested because I don't know what you're going to say back to me. I'm interested because I don't know what you're going to reveal to me about myself. 
which you're going to reveal I might want. Um, you know, and, and that is also such a different relationship. Once again, every expression of gender, trans, cis, non-binary, knowing your gender and how to express it can be a big, intense, gripping thing. Oh, and so shifting yes. to, an, to a relationship with this aspect of yourself as something that is like, ooh, let me, let me peer into the veil let me, you know, get up in, in the mystery with you. Let me be invited and let me invite you. And what's this beautiful, like, seesaw of invitation that never has to end? This is, this is not, this is a quality that we want to swim in, that we mm. want to be positioning ourselves in. Or in my, in my experience that I want, I want that quality of mystery to be something that I feel highly comfortable in. Mm. that I feel really familiar, turned on by, you know, doesn't mean that there's not the soup of everything else kind of swimming around, mm. but that I can establish enough of a dynamic with this part of myself that we can just get into it. You know, it's good friends are like this, where you know you cannot see each other for months and then step into the room together and you're in it mm. and you're in the conversation. And I think these parts of yourself are these deep, deep friendships. Mm. Yes. Hell yeah! On that exquisite note, thank you, Hez, so much for oh your service, for your deep well <laughs> of wisdom font, in fact. Thank you for um, sharing your journey and these revelations. It's such a huge gift to me. Mm. And I think to so many others, I, I think people are really, I know I am interested in this, in this way of finding points of access and this way of also co-conspiring together to yes. be like, ooh, we're all figuring it out. And so we can high five yes. and tag team smack. All right, y'all, that is our show. I hope you got something beneficial from this. If you did, please send it along to someone else that you think would really vibe with contents. Please like, star, rate, review our show. It really does help. I promise, I promise. If you are interested in working with Hez one-on-one in his erotic advisory practice, his email is below because he is so delightfully like anti-internet or maybe let me not say that for him he has a low profile on the internet and so you just gotta like roll up into that inbox kind of a vibe which we love and we find very sexy um yeah so love you so much thank you for being here truly truly and we will catch you next week bye Alright, sing me your song. <laughs>